0: Welcome to SpotCast, your single point of contact podcast for the service management and support industry, brought to you by HDI, on the web at thinkhdi.com. Smarter service, better business, HDI. I'm your host for SpotCast, Roy Atkinson. Episode 27 is an interview with Jason Wisher. Jason is an IT manager with 15 years of experience in the financial services, digital marketing, and retail services industries. He volunteers with his local HDI chapter in Milwaukee and has served in various roles leading the local chapter community, including Midwest Regional Director and past chair of the HDI Member Advisory Board. Jason is passionate about helping others achieve their career goals and about creating a positive culture in the workplace. He'll be presenting Session 405, Leaders Who Listen, Unlocking Your Team's Potential by Hearing Them, on HDI's Support World Live, A Digital Experience, on August 12, 2020. So Jason, thanks very much for being on the podcast with us.
1: Hey Roy, thank you for inviting me. This is definitely my joy to be here today. And like I said, this is my first time on the other end of the table. Normally I'm the one who interviews for podcasts, so it's exciting to be interviewed today.
0: Well, maybe I'll let you ask me some questions later on. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> that'll, so, be, that'll be good. So we're coming right, as we record this, we're coming right up to uh, Support World Live, a digital experience taking place in August at an internet connection near you. <laughs> and you have a session at Support World Live, and you're talking about leadership skill and you're specifically listening the skill of listening. Can you tell us why you think that particular skill is so important?
1: Yes. Uh, thank you, Roy. And and I am excited for this first virtual and digital experience of Support World Live coming up. I'm trying to figure out, you know, do you do you wear a suit coat? Do you wear a Hawaiian shirt? Or, you know, do you wear your PJs like everyone else is advertised to do? <laughs> so first, I have to get that out of the way. Um, But yes, listening is something that is near and dear to my heart because I've been on this journey, I think, for probably about five years now, trying to become a student and become a better listener in every day. And it's certainly not easy. And I think the mission, of course, is to just recognize how are we listening? One of the elements in in my session is focused on the six levels of listening and just improving your awareness over time to identify you know, which level you're at. For example, are you distracted or are you busy and you just want the person that you're listening to to, to go away. So you seek what they're, what they're asking you for and you give it to them and then they go away. And none of that is listening at all. And I found myself five years ago and before falling into those patterns unconsciously way too often. So my journey as I, as I affirmed that it was really important for me to become a better listener, was around the same time that I was growing in my career as a leader so that's why I think uh, as I saw myself learn more about listening I saw my relationships with my team with my boss with my customers grow I do think that listening is one of the most important leadership skills and the reason is because we're all different we all see something different and part of the magic of leadership is to bring out the best in people and if you're not listening to your people, then what are you really doing to do that?
0: You've been really active with HDI for a long time. And, and how do you think that HDI has helped you develop as a leader if it has?
1: Yeah, I think HDI has played an absolutely critical role in my leadership development. In fact, I joined HDI before I started my my role as a leader in my in my day job, if you will. And one of the most powerful lessons I learned as a result of that is how to lead volunteers. When you lead and you surround yourself in a community like HDI, where you don't have any authority, you have we're volunteers. We all do this because various reasons, but mostly because we love what we do and we wanna help other people. When we get to surround ourselves with people that we could learn from and we could serve in a leadership capacity with a community like HDI, you d- you get to directly translate that back into your day job, and I've been very fortunate to grow in my my leadership journey, uh, and pretty much in parallel with when I've grown with my HDI journey, as serving as a volunteer.
0: I think that we all, you know, especially volunteer organizations, leadership is a, a key element of that, and that's why we're keen on things like succession planning and so forth. Leadership is is really learned a lot when you work with volunteers, but uh, obviously we learn from role models and, and other people too. So when you think about leadership, are there people who stand out to you as being really good leaders, like name them off the top or quote them or whatever?
1: Yeah. So part of my leadership journey is surrounding myself with people who have been there and kind of building my sphere of influence. One of my very first managers, when I got promoted into a leadership role at work, Encouraged me and actually gave me kind of a safety net. He had my back for a while, and challenged me to develop my leadership style over time. So uh, part of that was to to look around and and I think I use YouTube quite a bit to find do some research on leadership topics. And one of the people that stood out very early to me was John Maxwell. You know, he wrote a ton of books on leadership. And one of my favorite John Maxwell quotes is, and it applies directly back to HDI in a volunteer capacity, is that leadership is not about titles, positions, or flowcharts. It's about one person influencing another. So John Maxwell is, is famous for, uh, for making the correlation. He'll even put an equal sign in between leadership and influence. And sometimes when you're first starting out in a leadership role in your day job, you know you get this authority, you don't really know what to do with it. And sometimes you see people, especially when they're starting out, struggling with how to influence their team, how to influence their peers and the rest of the organization across boundaries. Uh, But one of the best things about HDI is that there is no authority. (laughs) Everyone's a volunteer and we're kind of doing this as sweat equity. We're doing this because we love to be part of the community And that helped me along my journey to leverage authority as kind of the last stop, last tool in my toolbox, if you will. And I led with influence and I developed and grew my influence over time. And I believe that helped me in my leadership journey in my day job.
0: When you think about IT, because that's the business we are more or less in, We're in we're in the service end of that. But we're in information technology, and in particular, the support center, uh, delivering services and, and supporting people. Are there enough leaders? Are they doing the right things, do you think? Obviously, we're part of a community that prides itself on breeding leaders, as we've been discussing. When you look around the web, say, and read industry-related blogs, are you seeing good leadership
1: yeah, I think a leadership is evolving uh, in the industry today. And really, I do view the, the, the role of a leader to kind of acknowledge reality and see where we're at, but then see something bigger and better, and then help utilize the resources and, and uh, bring that vision to reality. So I think we have strong leadership all around us to model the challenge i see is that we need to figure out how can we connect with each other how can we describe our perspective and what we see and recognize strengths of the people around us and help people do their best help help people leverage their strengths and create momentum so in terms of you know you've seen different strategies for leadership you've seen top down hierarchical um, organizations And you've also seen some examples where there's kind of self-governing teams everything from there is no leader to scrum teams but are really small and everyone knows their role and how they contribute but i think the key to the engagement engagement between leadership and results and outcomes is all about collaboration and what is our approach to working together and i would like to encourage people to explore the kind of leadership that I align with that I like to call curious leadership. Leaders can ask why, why are we, why are we not reaching the mark? Why are we not hitting the mark? Why did we succeed? Are we lucky? And you see sometimes you see this concept played out in sports, right? When there's coaching changes, usually another John Maxwell tenant is, is you the law of the lid applies where you need to change the leader at the top. So that's why you see a lot of sports coaches get fired, for example, when they need a leadership change. But I think if we look deeper than that and we apply curiosity throughout our organization and create some conversations between leaders and between teams and identifying what is our strength, what is our best, and how can we help our people achieve to bring their best to the table every single
0: day in in light of especially in light of what you just said about bringing their best every day, uh, one of the qualities of leadership that's often talked about is creating or helping to create more leaders and how how do you do that in a support environment what in what ways can you encourage your team and, and bring them along? So they start to see the value of leadership and help them learn.
1: Yep. I'm glad you mentioned that. A few years ago, I was involved in a study that I called the Leadership Revolution. And it was part of how can we equip leaders to produce leaders who produce leaders? It's that succession planning. And one of the the things that we learn about Uh, very early in studying leadership is to pick your successor. So fortunately, I've learned a lot about succession planning through HDI. In fact, when we're volunteering in a particular role, that's the first thing we do. The first time I became president of the local chapter board, I got to know the people on the board and the roles and how can I serve them and what are our strengths that we could leverage in order to accomplish things like event planning and Uh, growing membership and growing our financial status. So first thing is getting to know your team. But then as you get to know your team, identify who will be the next president, who doesn't want to be the next president, et cetera. So understanding that and then checking in with people regularly. We We have these conversations every single quarter. Just because we had a conversation once doesn't mean that that's how you still feel as time moves on. So one of, the, one of the core leadership tenets is to find your successor and then help develop people to bring their best, like we said. So if it's about succession planning, uh, what do they need to develop in order to be ready for, to become the next president, if that's what they want to do? And you'll be surprised that when you're in a mentoring relationship, there is no one directional mentoring. Both people that benefit. Both people learn and grow over time when you're in that type of relationship.
0: What would three leadership qualities, other than listening, which we've already talked about and that you're going to speak about at the event, what would be three qualities of a leader that you think are really important?
1: Yeah. So I think great storytelling is, is monumentally important. So it's a combination of telling great stories and asking great questions. And I think when you're actually paying attention and listening to understand, sometimes you have those natural questions that come up. And then it's the the concept of telling great stories and inspiring people to connect with your idea. So storytelling and and by way of asking great questions is one of them. Uh, The other that I would say is always looking forward to how can we improve, how can we grow, is there room for trying something different? What are the th- what are the foundational things that have worked over time that we need to do more of? And how do we measure how well we're doing those things? So always keeping an eye towards the future. You know, if you're, for example, if you're steering a boat, someone has to make sure that we're not going to run into anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the role of the leader, kind of looking forward. And at the same time, you're looking forward. In, right in front of you to make sure that you can pay attention to what's in front of you.
0: We often hear the expression leaders or readers. So let's talk about some, some books uh, that, that you look to when you're looking for advice or things that you've read, especially ones that you might've read recently. What's, what's good. What should people be picking up?
1: Yeah, this was exciting preparing for this, uh, this, this podcast recording because I went to my bookshelf and I have I picked like a dozen books, so it's going to be hard to uh, to pinpoint some of them. There's a couple that I want to share. Um, the first category of books that I have is around people sharing their story. So they go through something, they learned lessons that they want to share, and they wrote a book about it. One of them, of course, is our friend Manly Feinberg, who wrote *Reaching Your Next Summit*, and we've we've talked about that book quite a bit in my circle. Um, but like Manly, who went through an experience and wrote a book and he's sharing his story. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting, um, Dr. Jim Kane this past year. And I learned that he wrote an ungodly number of books, I think more than 20 books as well, similar to Mm -hmm. John Maxwell. And I'm holding his book in my hand, a hundred activities that build unity, community and connection. And, uh, when I met him, you know, he, he had a table of books and this is the one that I, I got from that table. And, uh, it was neat to meet him because he's been all over the world, literally, literally. So he gets this perspective and he gets an opportunity to experience things that I think most people don't. And when you're reading books, I think that's, that's one of the hidden gems of, of using books to learn from and influence your style over time is that the authors that write the book, I always wonder why did they write the book? And, uh, more specifically, I want to talk about my process that I have of reading books. Um, I think I'm probably one of the few people that when you when I hear about a book, I don't just immediately go and buy it and then pick it up and read it, whether it's electronic or, or if I'm at the bookstore or whatnot. What I like to do is, again, understand why did the author write the book. So I research the author. I'll also research what other people say about the book. And this, this works really well for, for widely known books that are, you know, you see book reviews on YouTube, et cetera. Um, but what I, what I would like to do is search for that book and with the word review on it in YouTube and find three people, maybe five people that are telling you something about that book and identify what is the one thing or what are a couple things that they all say that's the same. Another approach is identify, is there anything that each of these people tell you differently about the book? And then you're going to gain their perspective. So then finally, you, you understand what to expect because they all said the same thing about it. And then each of them are kind of offering their perspective. So you can look at the difference between what they're telling you versus when you read the book. Do you share that perspective? Does it add to your perspective, et cetera? Um, so that's, that's my system, if you will. And then I finally read the book and I did that with one of them. It was more of an industry book. Uh, it's called scrum by Jeff Sutherland. And, uh, it's the art of doing twice the work in half the time. Sounds like the solution that everyone wants right mm-hmm, now, right? No kidding. We have all this, all this work to do, but we don't have any time. And I didn't even read the book first. First, I just researched Jeff Sutherland. He, he is one of the co-creators of scrum, um, and he has a lot of, of videos on YouTube where he was giving lectures and explaining why he wrote the book. So that was kind of cool that I got a chance to see his perspective before I even read the book. And then I read the book and now I put it into context. Um, in fact, I'm glad we're on this topic of, of books and understanding people's motivation and, and how do you add context to this, because I think one book stand alone offers quite a bit to the reader, but we, we don't necessarily understand all of the context of the author. I mean, that's almost, that's very challenging to do. It's almost impossible, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of the topic that I'm going to be speaking about at my session at Support World Live is about how do we balance gaining context and content and I think both are equally important and each of us have a unique skill set that usually lands more in the context scope or in the content scope so if we're a content person it's challenging for us to gain context and if we're a context person it's challenging for us to focus on the content so that's i'll go through some strategies on how can we actually discover what our tendencies are and uh, and how can we um, gain more of the total perspective by by balancing our natural strengths with what we need to get the whole picture. One more thing, and thirdly, there is a third book that I'm holding in my hand. It's kind of ironic. I said uh, it's almost impossible. This book I picked up at a restaurant that sells books. You know, you've seen uh, like Cracker Barrel. I think this was Paul Bunyan's breakfast place in uh, Wisconsin Dells. They sell books there, and I, I caught this. It's just a collection of quotes, but this is this book has come in handy quite a bit. It's called "It Always Seems Impossible Until It's Done" by mm-hmm. an author uh, Catherine and Ross Petras. I don't know who they are, but it sounds I, I align with this this uh, perspective. It always seems impossible until it's done. So the, just the definition of impossible. I actually had a hard time saying impossible when I was describing something mm-hmm. that's difficult because of my dad influence that that book has had on me. Wow. So I think we get all these little, these little spheres of influence when we surround ourselves with, with people who have been places that we're interested in, or when we find books written by people that seem interesting to us. And I almost forgot to mention, uh, the most recent book that I received as a birthday gift is, uh, is called dad jokes, the good, the bad, and the terrible. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, if you follow me on Facebook, you probably are are victim of some of my bad uh, ter- and terrible dad jokes out there.
0: <laughs> we are connected on Facebook, yeah, <laughs> and, and I have seen those, but you've seen yep. some of mine too, so that's okay.
1: Yes, we all share in in wonderful dad jokes.
0: <laughs> so if if someone out there in, in our massive audience uh, wants to become a better leader or wants to start down the road of leadership, where do they start? How did, how did you start and how should they start, do you think?
1: So the very beginning for me was really opportunity, being open to opportunities that come up. And in fact, the first time that there was an opportunity, I, I told myself I wasn't ready. So I wasn't ready to help uh, lead a team and be responsible for other people, right? And then I passed that opportunity. Uh, some time went on. Another opportunity went came up, and I I said yes. I am ready this time. I'm gonna I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. See what happens. And I ended up getting that role as a manager. It was the first time I got a position, a leadership position, early in my career. And thankfully, the organization I worked for invested in training for leaders and managers. You know, I did extensive leadership training that was sponsored by the organization. And one of the most important things about that, that leadership training was a, a mentoring engagement. So I found myself a mentor. In fact, it was someone that was a manager for more than 20 years. You know, he's been through multiple um, seasons, different cycles, and he's been there before. I'm just starting out. So I have a lot to learn. And that's where I, I actually discovered that he actually learned quite a bit from me even from the perspective of someone who's, who's brand new and he's been doing it for 20 years. So I would say the, the, the best advice I ever got. And the first thing that worked for me was to get a mentor, talk to someone who's been there before and you can kind of bounce ideas off of, and, and both of you are likely going to learn something from the experience.
0: I think that's true. in almost any engagement of that sort, you know, I've done a lot of teaching and training over the years and and no matter what I'm doing I always learn something and mm-hmm. it's it's amazing how that that how that relationship works it's it's really fascinating to watch mhm so and in,
1: in fact that's level 4 of the uh the the listening styles <laughs> or the mm-hmm. listening levels level 4 li- mm-hmm. listening is listening to learn so when you identify you know, if you're, if you're paying attention and you come with the intention of learning, what are the, leadership, what are the listening skills that you apply in order to, to learn something? That's something we're going to go over in my session.
0: I, I love what you said earlier uh, during this interview about curious leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that one of the things we have to try to do is be a lifelong learner. And what, how do you keep your curiosity? Do you, do you ever find that it kind of goes away from you and you have to recapture <laughs> it somehow? Or is it just always there?
1: That's right. So that is, uh, that's another early lesson I learned in my leadership development. When I learned about the, the mood elevator. Uh, whether you're in a positive mood or a negative mood, curiosity sits right at the middle. It's fascinating that, that curiosity is the midpoint. So if you ever find yourself troubled, maybe you're under a lot of pressure uh, or even you know a high intensity negative mood, if you could find a way to get to curiosity, then it opens the pathway to connect with some of the higher moods like peace and wisdom and creativity and and in general happiness. but for me yes I, it's a well it's about awareness it's to say, am where am I right now, and what do I need to do to get back to my home if I find myself I'm not there? And one of the core tenets of curious leadership is seeing the world in front of us like a child does. You know, you often hear children are curious and even naughty, and they don't listen and they don't they don't mm. behave right. Mm. Well, that's because they're they're basically living with a different set of rules, and then we enforce all these rules on them in order to get chaos uh, in, in order to get order and start to grow responsibility as we approached adulthood and sometimes it's, well, first of all, it's, it's always easy to forget what it's like to be a child. I mean, I've, I've forgotten by now, right? (laughs) I think all of us adults, we, we kind of forget to what it's, what it's like to see the world as children do. And I'm very fortunate in my role as a parent, I've gotten to see that journey. You know, my youngest is now five. And I've learned a lot over the last five years from him, uh, just, as he kind of gets more mature and understands, you know, how to behave better, <laughs> I find myself asking, well, from his perspective, why, why does he not want to sit down and, and be quiet and, mm-hmm. you know, behave the way that we all want him to? It's because he wants to play. Kids speak in a different language than adults do. So sometimes if we could find a way to just get curious and connect with other people in the way that they need to be connected with. Um, good things can happen.
0: I get Just in response to that, I'm going to paraphrase something that Picasso is reputed to have said anyway, and I believe he did. <laughs> he said it took him 60 years to learn how to paint like a five-year-old. <laughs> to, to have that curiosity and forget the rules that had been taught to him in art school and just let himself go and paint what was on his mind. And I've always found that rather fascinating. Yeah, so, you connect
1: with your creative outlet and kind of share your gift as a human being. Everyone has a gift. You just got to find out what it is. And I've discovered some pretty interesting creative outlets, you know, beyond the usual with music, of course, or art. Um, but I've seen people express themselves with with writing, with storytelling, and even baking and cooking. You know, I think there's a new uh, British baking show that caught my attention on on Netflix the other day. But everyone has a gift. And if we connect with our creative outlet to share that gift and let it out, uh, I think that's, where, that's what we mean when we say trying to get the best from people.
0: Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm sure there might by now be some people who are curious to come and l- listen to your session, watch you. <laughs> on Support World Live, and I would again like to thank you for being on the podcast, and uh, I look forward to seeing you. Yeah, thanks, Roy. Thank you for listening. Remember to catch Jason Wisher's session on Support World Live, a digital experience on August 12th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. See our website at thinkhdi.com I'm your host for Spotcast, Roy Atkinson. Until next time, take care.